So I'd ask you at this time to open to the book of, now these are the words. Unless you weren't here last week, then you're going to have to open to Deuteronomy. If you're visiting, welcome. And even if you're visiting, if I were you, I would follow us, follow along. These are messages that are posted to the website. Um, this is life-altering stuff. This is how we defeat giants in our life. And if I were to say, before I pray here, before I do anything else, if I were to say, what's the giant? What's the thing that's stopping you from inheriting your promised land? And I, would, I wouldn't do that. Relax. I'm not going to. And I'd point you. You go. You go. You go. And we'd all have something. We're all like, well, you know, with me, it's this, uh, you know, I can't get over. Uh, I'm bitter against God. He did thus and such to me. Uh, I'm very fearful. I can't, I'm afraid of my own shadow. I, I can't stop gossiping for, the, for my life. I, I, I love it. You know, I can't, I can't stop. Uh, I have uh, addictions. I have, uh, I'm addicted to pornography or to, uh, I have lo- problems with lust. I have problems with alcohol. I have, and I go right around the room and we all have something. And maybe you peep back most of the giants and your, your, your big problem is sometimes I embellish when I tell a story. You know, if, if that's the worst you got, you're doing pretty good, you know, I, I say. Oh, or whatever it is, you know what I mean? We all have them. And why is it that the vast majority of us, I mean, we, we were talking yesterday, we saw some people we haven't seen in a long time, and we said they're just like we left them last a decade ago when we saw them. Um, very many of us don't change. We just we stay the same way we are, and we and we solidify in whatever activity you know we're engaged in. We don't we don't we don't grow. We don't. And this book is how to grow, how to how to overcome those giants, how to how to get rid of the things that are besetting us where we can't follow Jesus Christ to the degree that we'd like to. So without further ado, let's pray. And by the way, I'm going to do chapter 2 and 3. Say, oh, good night. We're going to be here until midnight. A lot of this is narrative. And I can read three, four, five, six verses without hardly even a comment because it it kind of adds its own commentary. We'll stop, we'll pause, and we'll say what I think needs to be explained and and we'll go on from there. But let's pray. Father, this is your word. Now these are the words, right? This is what you want us to know. We would go into our, our promised land, Lord, and we would possess our possessions that you set aside for us. Lord, uh, our faithlessness, our, our cowardice sometimes would, would stop us from doing that. Lord, certainly sin would stop us from, from doing that. Okay, we're your children. You've brought us out of Egypt. We were all baptized in the Red Sea. We're yours for sure. But Lord, sometimes we don't inherit. And Lord, I, I pray that we would, as a congregation, move forward, and it's time, Lord, to get rid of these things that doth so easily beset us, as your word says. So, Lord, I, I fully expect that there will be uh, uh, dark, satanic attacks against us. Uh, Satan, the strong man, doesn't give away his possessions quietly. But Lord, you've given us victory over him, and we thank and praise you. We don't fear Satan, Lord, we fear you. And Lord, we want to please you. And Lord, we want to honor you in the breaking of the the bread of of life now, Lord. So be pleased to be with us and give us direction in Jesus' name. Amen. Chapter 2, then we turned and took our journey into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea as the Lord's spake unto me, and we compassed Mount Seir many days. Mount Seir is in modern-day Jordan. Much of the activity of today is going to be in modern-day Jordan. And the Lord spake unto me, saying, You have compassed this mountain uh, long enough, turn you northward. And I commanded thou the people, saying, You had to pass through the coast of your brethren, the children of Esau, which dwelt in Seir, and they shall be afraid of you, Why? Because you are strong and you are giant killers and you are an awesome army because God is with you. They're going to be afraid. So we're going to walk in there. We're going to 
take some names, slap some people around, take all their stuff, and it's hard being you today, isn't it? You lose, we win. No, 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 nothing of the sort. Uh, they're going to be afraid of you. Take ye good heed unto yourselves, therefore meddle not with them. They're godless people. They're wicked people. And God says, don't meddle with them. By the way, it should be a word to all of us. Don't climb into the ring. Don't put on the boxing gloves. Don't strap your sword on. If God isn't in the battle, just forbear. And there's a reason here that God is forbearing. These are one, okay, Esau, like, and, and most of us know, but you know, there are people online and they're not quite as up to Bible knowledge as you are. So let me explain. Um, Esau is the twin, the fraternal twin of uh, Jacob. Jacob has his name changed to Israel. So when we're talking about the children of Israel, we're talking about the children of Jacob. The children of Esau, his brother, or the Edomites. Edom means, it's kind of a nickname for Esau. It means red. Apparently he was a ginger, maybe the first one recorded in Scripture. We don't know. And, and here, um, he, and by the way, if you're redheaded, that's not good or bad scripturally. David was also a redhead, probably a redhead. And so it, it, it's all good, okay? No, he's, when I say ginger, I'm not... That's not a pejorative term, okay, just want to explain. Um, um, so, so, but he's your brother, and I've given him, this is what it says, meddle not with them, I will not give you their land. No, not so much as a foot breath. Well, we're going to do a Jericho march, we're going to march around, we're going to claim, no, not even, no, stop, no, 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 no. And by the way, when God says no, I don't care how much faith you exercise. I, name it and claim it. I'm just going to, I will have what I, no. No, God's sovereign. And besides, why would you want the things he doesn't want for you? Oh, they got cattle and they got goods and they got sheep and they got herds, they got flocks, they got stuff, they got clothes, they got gold, they got, and it's theirs. You can take it. You're mighty. They're afraid. And you will not. Just because we're the strongest country with all the nukes doesn't give us the right to meddle in affairs that God hasn't called us to. Meddle not with them. I will not give you the land, not so much as a footbreath, because I have given Mount Seir unto Esau for possession. Ain't you glad that God, when he gives, he doesn't take back? Aren't you glad? I mean, I, I, you know, we say Indian giver. Now, it's so politically incorrect. And I get why it is not a good thing. God's not that. He's not like, here you go. Here's your blessing. I love you so much. Oh, by the way, forget about it. <laughs> I changed my mind. The gifts and callings of God are not, uh, are without repentance, the scripture says. He doesn't change his mind. And here, no, I've given Mount Seir to Esau for a possession. You shall buy meat from them. You mean we're going to take meat? No, no, no. You're going to buy meat from them for money that you may eat, and you shall also buy water of them for money that you may drink. For the Lord thy God hath blessed thee in all thy works of thy hand. He knoweth thy, thy walking through this great wilderness these 40 years. The Lord thy God hath been with thee. Thou hast lacked nothing. Why? Because it's been raining manna on you. And by the way, it still is. Oh, you want some delectables they have at their market? You can have that, God says, but you're going to purchase it. There's still a rock following them around. They're still getting their, their water and their, and, their, and their daily provision from God. He, it's still in that time where he's, it, later on, it'll show you when the manna stops. I think it's, I don't know if it's in the book, this book or early chapters of Joshua. I don't remember. But at this point, they're still receiving from heaven. Oh, you want... They got roasted crickets or whatever suits your fancy. Go step right up. Have a good time. You're going to purchase it. But that's okay because God has blessed you. The Lord has blessed thee in all thy works of thy hand. Verse 7, right? You've lacked nothing. The end of verse 7. That's, listen, I want to tell you, that's true of me physically and, and spiritually. There were times when it was very tough for us financially. And I think God takes us a lot of times to that place, not because he's stingy, not because our life isn't blessable, because he just wants to teach us. 
He wants to show us, you know, and ha- so we can have a heart to those who are struggling so that when we, you know, get, get a few shekels ahead, we can share with those who don't have anything. I think it's one of the reasons to make money is so we can be gracious to people around us. And, and I think that, you know, so we, he took us through a time of struggle financially, uh, you know, and that, that, that's fine. But we, we never went without food or clothing or provision and all the spiritual blessings have been ours abundantly and here we are we didn't die of starvation or i just want to say god's good and if you don't know that if you're struggling to know that right now he's our gracious heavenly father i had an earthly father he, sometimes between eight of us <laughs> he, ble- he he had to bless us by working sometimes two jobs sometimes three jobs to make sure there was enough on the table there was enough presents under the tree at Christmas there was enough you know to go around well he was I'll, I'll give dad his props he was a hard-working guy and he loved us and your heavenly father loves you more and he has the cattle on a thousand hills he's not oh how am I going to make ends meet this month oh I didn't expect this bill that's not your heavenly father okay just just so you know thou hast lacked Nothing. And when we passed by from our brethren, the children of Esau, which dwelt in Seir, through the way of the plain from Elath and from Elion, Ezion, uh, uh, Geber, uh, we turned and passed by the way of the wilderness of Moab. And the Lord said to me, distress not the Moabites. Now we're going to run to both children of Lot. And it's a kind of sordid story. Lot coming out of Sodom and Gomorrah with his daughters, was drunkenly involved in incestual relations with them. Uh, they both were had children of their dad, uh, Moab and Ammon. And so we have the Moabites, the Ammonites, okay? And it's, like I say, a rather sordid story. Lot was Abraham's nephew. And so there, there's a kinship here. And I don't know, is the second cousin once removed? You, some of you guys know all that stuff. I, I never... I, I, Whatever, you know what I mean? Like, we're all related at some point. If you want to go back far enough, we all got off the boat with Noah and his sons, all right? So we're all kinfolk. It's just how far removed. Um, and the Lord said to me, Distress not the Moabites, neither contend with them in battle, for I will not give thee of their land for possession, because I have given Ar unto the children of Lot for possession. And I don't take stuff back once I've given it. It's not said, it's implied. I've given it to them, you leave them alone. Now verse 10 is kind of interesting. We're introduced to a series of giants. You say, well, giants, what are we talking about here? We're talking about giants, okay? Some dimensions will be given here in the beginning of chapter 3. We're not talking about people who had a growth spurt back when they were 13 and they outgrew their mom and no. No. Talking about giants. Where did the giants come from? Well, that goes back to Genesis chapter 6. The children of God saw, the sons of God saw that the, the daughters of men were exceedingly fair. And they, well, I tell you what, before I hack it all up, we'll go back there, we'll read it. And I will tell you, whatever Calvary Chapel you go to, we're all on board with this. There are other churches that don't believe this, and I would ask, well, who are the, what is it talking about in Jude about the the angels who left not their, who uh, kept not their first estate? And Peter chronicles this. I think it's in Second Peter. It's it's all through the Bible. I know it's kind of fantastic stuff, and the only thing that it this has going for it is it's absolutely biblical. Someone say, well, how can this happen? Listen, I don't know how regular procreation happens. I think uh, fallopian tubes and something, or I, I don't know. Okay, it's, a, it's plumbing issues that I don't know about. I just, <laughs> she's over there laughing. I, I'm such a rube in this, and that's fine. Let's just keep it that way. I'm not an expert. I don't know. I don't know uh, angel DNA. I'm not even sure how DNA works, okay? Chapter 6. It, it came to pass, and we're in Genesis. 
It came to pass when men began to multiply in the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair, and they took them wives out of all that they chose. Well, Adam, sons of God isn't angels. Yes, it is. Every place in Scripture, it absolutely positively is. You want to read more of this? This was chronicled, and it's much embellished on in the story, in the book of Enoch. You say, Enoch? That's not a Bible book. I, I, don't, I didn't say it was. But I says the story's chronicled there. And the book of Enoch is quoted in the book of Jude. Uh, that still doesn't make it scriptural. I'm just saying this story is told there. And they're not. So people say, well, what are the sons of God? And there's two arguments. It's angels or the righteous line of Seth. I don't know what you're talking about. The Bible knows nothing of the righteous line of Seth. So let's keep um, reading. Uh, they saw that they were fair. They took them wives of all they chose. The Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. There were giants in the earth in those days. The word is Nephilim. It means fallen ones. And they were giants. And by the way, if a believing man has relations with a non-believing woman, they don't have giants. Or I would never get anybody to have nursery duty, okay? I was, uh, that would just be, forget about it. They're, they're actual giants. And again, it's chronicled here in our story. That's where they come from. Uh, there were giants on the earth in those days. And also after that, because people say to me, what about the flood? And I'm thinking that was one of the major reasons for the flood. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And it, says, and it goes on to his generations. Generations were pure in the eyes of the Lord. It's, Past pure, it means unalloyed with what? Nephilim DNA, obviously. Um, and also after that, when the sons of God came in under the daughters of men, and they bear children to them. There it is. I, I don't know how else to say it. You have to deal with... And now anything... Now, I know angel hypothesis is rather strange. I know it. I think what's stranger is the alter, any alternative. The same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth. Every imagination of the thoughts of his thought was only evil continually. Why? Because fallen angel DNA isn't going to produce righteous offspring. Now great wickedness increases. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth. Why? This is a gene pool issue. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now it goes on to talk about Noah's generations, that he was, uh, <clears throat> Noah was, Noah was a just man and perfect. Now if you look up perfect, the word is kind of like unalloyed. Tenim, I think, is the word. It means pure. His bloodline is pure, okay? And by the way, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah looked into the eyes of the Lord and said, ah, grace. I remember reading this as a little kid. I thought, that ain't fair. How come God's picking on Noah and thinks Noah's some awesome? No, 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 no. No. God's awesome. And you can find grace in his eyes if you want. He's not a respecter of persons. Let's keep going, though. Back to Deuteronomy. We introduced these giants. The Emims dwelt there in time past, a people great and many and tall as the Anakims. The Anakims are giants. Well, Adam... What about the flood? And also after that. This is definitely after the flood. It happened. There was another incursion, obviously. And um, it was kind of a minefield set up. Oh, yeah, you think you're going to come in this promised land? God promised it, huh? Well, here's our defenses. See what you can do. God said, game on. It's the same today. There are forces arrayed against us. Satan's not ambivalent about your salvation or your spiritual growth. He will get you into one sin, one debilitating place or another. He will get you in bondage any way he knows how. God says, game on. Let's do this. You, you, you want to you wrestle with me, Satan? Okay. And we've got to have that attitude. I will not be bound by Satan. It's time to inherit my promised land. But let's keep going. Emons dwelt there in time past, people great and many and tall as the Anakims, which also were counted giants as the Anakims, but the Moabites called them Emims. 
The Horums also dwelt in Seir before time. I don't think the Horums are giants. Okay, I think they're just the people that were in that area. You can look it up. I read a couple articles as I was studying for this. The Horums also dwelt in Seir before time, but the children of Esau succeeded them when they had destroyed them from before them and dwelt in their stead as Israel did unto the land of his possession, which the Lord gave unto them. Now rise up, said I, and get you over this brook Zered, and we went over the brook Zered, in the space of which we came from Kadesh Barnea until we came over the brook Zered was 30 and 8 years. So there was 40 years of wilderness wandering, 38 wandering, I'd say, from when they turned from Kadesh Barnea. We chronicled that last week. Kadesh, holy. Barnea, barrenness. Your choice. And God put them at that fork in the road. You want to go and inherit? I'm right with you. Let's do this thing. I've I showed you, I've provided for you in the wilderness. I, I got you out of, of Egypt. That was the strongest army in the world. They ain't so tough now, are they? They opened the Red Sea for you. Come on, we can do this. <gasps> There's giants in the land. And we get that a lot. We get this a lot. Hey, let's, let's do, what is it? What it, fill in the blank. What is it God's calling you to do? What, God, what, did, what, did Je, what, what does Jesus want you to lay hold of? The reason why he laid hold of you, what does he want you to step into as ministry, as, as fellowship, as... And there's always a reason why we can't. And if you're looking for the reason for failure, you'll find it every single time. Only every time. Okay. Where am I? Okay, okay, so there were two years out of Egypt when they came to Sinai. I think it was about a year and a month. And they were there for like the better part of a year. So, they, so two years were kind of like at, from Sinai until the time they came to Sinai. They came to uh, Kadesh Barnea and it, they were two years in. And this wasn't punishment or penalty or anything else. Then they turned to Kadesh Barnea and said, well, we can't go up these giants. We're like grasshoppers in their sight. And God said, okay, you, can, you, you, you will not, now you cannot. And God slammed that door shut behind them and then said, you're out on, in the wilderness 38 years. So this is that 38 years. Totally, it's 40 years, okay? The 38 years in the penalty box, so to speak. Space in which came from Kadesh until we came over the brook Zered was 38 years until all the generation of the men of war were wasted out from among the hosts as the Lord swear unto them, 20 years old and upward. So you're 19, you're spared. Whew. Is that the way it works today? I dare not even say. I dare not say. We talk about this age of accountability. Is it 19? At 18, you're okay. 19, you're okay. 20, hit 20. Oh, you better have Jesus in your heart by the time you hit 20, right? I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't know that. You know what I mean? That's the cutoff that, that God made at that time. For indeed, the hand of the Lord was against them to destroy them from among the hosts until they were all consumed. Imagine, you're going here, you're going here, you're going here. You got Uncle Ernie. Uncle Ernie's getting up there. He was uh, 21 at the time. It's 38 years later. And you're like, there's only a few of them left now. And you're just waiting for Uncle Ernie to pass away. And isn't that, isn't that crazy? But that's how it was. Those whole, that whole generation was going to pass away. And then when they passed away, their children, who they said, oh, they're, they're going to come, they're going to take our children away. He said, no, your children, they'll be fine. I'm going to be with them, and I'll take them into the promised land. By the way, you know, back in Ann's class right now, who's, who's in there? Next Jeremiah? No, I'm serious. Could be. We have no idea. Uh... There's a, there's a time, and we don't do this. We don't do this. Like, even, see, Jews have this one other thing, bar mitzvah and bat mitzvah. If you're bar mitzvah, if you're a son, bat mitzvah, if you're a daughter. And they confer adulthood upon you. And there's a little ritual, the whole thing. They get huge presents. I had some Jewish friends. They get, like, automobiles. It's ridiculous. Anyway, they, they, they'll say, uh, the son will say, I'm no longer accountable to my father and I'm accountable to you, Lord. And, and the father will say words to the same effect. He's not accountable to me. He's accountable to you. Not. And, the, and not, it, it's a, there's a fundamental shift in the house. But you get a later bedtime. No, not that so much as like 
When, when your kids are five and you say, okay, go to bed, and they say, why? You say, because I'm 200 pounds and I'm going to take you up bed and throw you in there and tie you up. You, you, you're going to bed because I said so. When your 13 or 14-year-old son says, why do I have to go to bed? I'm not tired at all. It's a, your brother in the Lord is asking you, and, and, and when they ask you like a spiritual question, you know, your kids, when they're just little rugrats, you tell them this is the way it is, and, and that's fine. Your, your mom, your dad, you can try to explain to them. I don't know that reasons help in the mind of a four-year-old, you know. You can, what, they're, what they can get, what they can grasp, and that's a fine thing to do. But when your 13-year-old daughter asks you something, that, that comes from a different place. It's not because I said so. It's, it's, well, this is why we worship the Lord this way, and this is why we do that, and this is why, because they have a 13-year-old mind, and it works, and it functions, and they have an adult mind without all the life experience behind it. And they can, they're really, and I think we do ourselves such a disservice when we answer them roughly, you know, because I said, because it, it comes from a different place. And, and so, Catholics, we have, they, have the, I said we, they have this thing, uh, uh, confirmation. And that kind of is the same thing, but it's not. And that's when you receive the Holy Spirit, and it's not, but not. It, I don't know. It's, but at least it's a, a place where they come to, a plateau. Uh, uh, we don't have anything like it. So we have eternal children. They are up, they're married, and, you know, we never confer adulthood upon them. And sometimes we think, you know, you're my child forever. I don't care if you're married and you have seven of your own children. I don't care if you're a grandparent. You're my kid. It's ridiculous. I mean, really, I'm, we don't all do that, obviously, but we, we all have a propensity to do that. And I, I, don't think it's a, I don't think it's a good thing. I'm not saying, okay, you're 13 now. Here's my bank account. Go easy. Here's the keys to my car. Here's my... I'm not saying that. They still need guidance. But it's, they're, they're at a different place. Anyway, let's keep moving. They're waiting for everyone to die out. The hand of the Lord was against them and destroyed them from among the host until they were consumed. So it came to pass when all the men of war were consumed and dead from among the people, verse 17, that the Lord spake unto me, saying, Thou art to pass over through Ar, through the coast of Moab this day. When thou comest nigh over against the children of Ammon, distress them not. That's the other side. We said Moab, now Ammon, the other son of Lot, right? And it's the same thing. Don't distress them, nor meddle with them, for I will not give thee of the land of the children of Ammon, any possession, because I have given it unto the children of Lot for a possession. That also was accounted a land of giants. Giants dwelt there in old time, and the Ammonites called them Zamzumans, a people great and many and tall as the Anakims. Anakims, by the way, Goliath was an Anakim. Just, he was a little one. He was only about nine and a half feet tall. But the Lord, the Lord destroyed them before them, and they succeeded them and dwelt in their stead. Look, God's fighting battles for heathen, and they're winning. I think it's a remarkable thing. I've talked to someone, let's say they're smoking cigarettes, a Christian. I won't say anything about cigarettes, uh, to be sure, right? Most of us would give them up if we could. Well, here's some insight. You could. <laughs> it's a little three-inch piece of nicotine. Don't tell me that the Holy Spirit of God in your life is bound. I, I, I'd love to be able to defeat that. I don't know what I'm going to do, God says. Because I have seen unbelievers give up cigarettes. I remember um, we were around this table at work, and it was like 13 of us. And everyone in the group had given up cigarettes except my boss and me. I'd never smoked, okay? So out of the 13, we had one non-smoker and one still smoker. And 11 of them, not a Christian among them, had given up smoking. So I, I had friends who are Christians and they were still smoking. And I told them that story. And this, well, I wish I could. And that one spirit filled, always, you know, talking about the spirit and you got to be in the flow of the spirit and the spirit. The spirit hasn't told you yet to stop smoking. That seems so basic, right? And I don't want to, you know, make you feel really super guilty about if you're struggling with that. I really don't. I'm not a guilt pastor. I, I really try hard not to be. But I, I always think like God defeats giants for Ammonites. You, you're telling me the giant in your life God can't defeat? 
And once you say that, once you embrace that, no, this is me, this is my DNA, this is the fabric of who I am. I can never rise above my, my fear, my what. There you are. There you are. If you, if you, if you, if you think you found an excuse to be the way you are, you're never going to get past it. It's just... Let's keep moving. Okay. Where am I? Where am I? Where am I? Oh, Zamzumans, right? People great and many. Uh, but the Lord wiped them out. And they, they succeeded in them. They dwelt in their stead, as did the children of Esau, verse 22, which dwelt in Seir, when he destroyed the Horams, another adult, uh, another adult, another giant group, from before them. And they succeeded them and dwelt in their stead unto this day. And the Avams, which dwelt at uh, Hazarim, even unto Aza. The Kaftorums, by the way, I don't think these are giants. I think these are the precursor to the Philistines, which came forth out of Kaftor, destroyed them and dwelt in their stead. So he's talking about all the land, where it went, who defeated who. Uh, Rise ye up, take your journey, and pass over the river Arnon. Behold, I have given unto them, uh, unto thine hand, Sihon the Amorite. Okay, don't mess with Esau. Don't mess with Moab. Don't mess with the uh, Ammon. Oh, Sihon, yeah, you want to mess, okay? I'm giving him into your hand. He's not an Ammonite, he's an Amorite. Uh, rise you up, take the journey, and pass over the river Arnon. Behold, I have given into thine hand Sihon the Amorite, king of Heshbon, and his land. Begin to possess it and contend with him in battle. This day will I begin to put the dread of thee and the fear of thee upon the nations that are under the whole heaven. I think Satan fears you more than you fear him. But he's smart and he knows how to win battles if you let him. Well, I have an idea. Your, your, your picture is on the post office of hell. Wanted, dead or alive, especially dead. And he would kill you if he could. And he fears you. You're a child of the living God. What are you capable of? Freeing multitudes from his kingdom. I'm going to put the, I'm going to put the fear of thee upon the nations that are under the whole heaven, who shall hear a report of thee and shall tremble and be in anguish because of thee. And I sent messengers out of the wilderness of Kedemoth unto Sihon, king of Heshbon, with words of peace, saying... Let me pass through thy land. I will go along by the highway. I will neither turn to the right nor to the left. Thou shalt sell meat. Uh, th- thou shalt sell me meat for money that I may eat, and give me water for money that I may drink. Only I will pass through on my feet, as the children of Esau which dwelt in Seir, and as the Moabites which dwelt in Ar did unto me, until I shall pass over Jordan into the land which the Lord our God giveth us. We're just passing through. Nothing to see here, folks. Uh, we'll buy. We'll you know we'll commerce. We're just going to not take stuff. We're going to walk right through. But Sihon, king of Heshbon, would not let us pass by him, for the Lord thy God hardened his spirit and made his heart obstinate, that he might deliver him into thy hand as appeareth this day. Now, you're saying that's not exactly fair. God overruled his free will. Uh, it could also mean strengthen his resolve when it said hardened his heart. He's against. And by the way, we're going to see he's Nephilim. I don't know how else to say it. Not quite human. Half um, is someone who's Nephilim. Are they eligible for salvation? Jesus didn't become Nephilim. He became a human being. And he, the redemption is for human beings. Just, just a thought. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have given to thee Sihon and his land before thee. Uh, begin to possess that thou mayest inherit his land. And Sihon came out against us, he and all his people, to fight at Jahaz. They wouldn't let him pass through, obviously. And the Lord, our God, delivered him before us, and we smote him and his sons and all his people. We took all his cities at that time and utterly destroyed the men, the women, the little ones of every city we left, none to remain. Now people are going to have a problem. I'm going to have a little bit of a problem. Some of these verses are hard. Well, what is God up with? What's, what is uh, men, women, and children? What is that all about? Listen, I'm not going to 
I'm not going to try to make this all pretty. I will say this. I think we're talking about a gene pool problem. Later on, God's going to deliver men, women, and children who I, I don't think there's any genetic issues. And God says, wipe them out. Take their land, destroy. Because there's filth, there's corruption, there's great wickedness. And God says, that's a rabid dog of a society. Nothing good. I've given them 400 years to repent while you were down there in Egypt. And they, there's no repentance. There's no signs of repentance. Now, you under, I want you to understand something about God. You remember the 38 years where people died in the wilderness? Did they all go to hell? <laughs> no. No. It, it doesn't work like that. So what happens? They go into this land and little children who are just, just newborn babies who get killed. Do they go to hell? I don't think so. I don't think so. Listen, I can tell you something about God, and I, th this is controversial, and there will be people who disagree with me. Let them. I think in the rapture, every Christian is going to be taken up in the clouds to meet the Lord. And I think every child under a certain age, whatever God, again, I, I think God's innocent until proven guilty. I think God's gracious. Some people say, well, the children of believers will go and the children of non-believers will stay here. There are some who believe that. I wouldn't be among them. I think God's righteous. I could think God's not willing that any should perish. And your life, whether it's three months, 86 years, still a drop in a huge bucket when we're looking at eternity. And just because these people pass away doesn't mean they go to hell eternally. Here, I don't think any of them, if, if, if they're all, this is a gene pool problem, I don't think any of them are going to heaven. Because God, Jesus didn't die for Nephilim. It's, it's not an easy thing to teach. But this is what it says, and I'm not going to change it so we're more comfortable with it. We left none to remain. Only the cattle we took for prey unto ourselves and the spoil of the cities which we took from Aroer, which is by the brink of the river Arnon, from the city that is by the river even unto Gilead. There was not one city too strong for us. The Lord our God delivered unto us. Only unto the land of the children of Ammon thou camest not, nor unto any place of the river Jabbok, nor unto the seas in the mountains, nor unto whatsoever the Lord our God forbade us. Chapter 3. We'll get through this. This is a shorter chapter. It needs less commentary. Then we turned and went up the way of Bashan, and Og, the king of Bashan, came out against us, he and all his people, to battle at Edrei. Now, some say that Og and Sihon are brothers. Just, just a passing thought. But Og is, we're going to see, is a giant. He's a Nephilim as well. And the Lord said unto me, Fear him not, for I will deliver him and all his people and his land into thy hand. And thou shalt do unto him as thou did unto Sihon, king of the Amorites, which dwelt at Heshbon. So the Lord our God delivered into our hands Og also, the king of Bashan, and all his people. And we smote him until none were left uh, to him remaining. And we took all his cities at that time. There was not a city which we took not from them. Threescore cities, all the region of Argob, uh, the kingdom of Og in Bashan. All these cities were fenced with high walls, gates and bars, beside unwalled towns, a great many. And we utterly destroyed them as we did unto Sihon, king of Heshbon, utterly destroying the men, women, children of every city. But all the cattle and the spoil of the city we took for a prey to ourselves. And we took at that time out of the hand of the two kings of the Amorites, the land that was on this side Jordan, that would be east of east of, side of Jordan, right? The land that was on this side Jordan from the river of Arnon even unto Mount Hermon, which Hermon, the Sidonians, called Sirion and the Amorites called Shinar. All the cities of the plain, all Gilead, all of Bashan, unto Selka, unto Edrei, cities of the kingdom of Og in Bashan. So there were 60 cities altogether. It says in verse 4, three score cities, three score 60. You know that. 
All the cities in the plain of Gilead, all Bashan unto Selkah, Edrei, the cities of the kingdom of Og and Bashan. Verse 11, for only Og, king of Bashan, remained of the remnants of giants. So he was the last of the remaining Nephilim on the east side of Jordan. Because when we cross Jordan, we're going to find Nephilim again. Um, now it's a curious thing. Behold, his bedstead was a bedstead of iron. Is it not in Rabbath of the children of Ammon? Nine cubits was the length thereof, thirteen and a half feet, and four cubits the breadth of it after the cubit of a man. So it's six feet wide, it's thirteen and a half feet long. Do you have a thirteen and a half foot long bed? <laughs> don't need one, you say. Yeah, I don't either. What's our what's our bed? Like six foot six inches or something. I don't fall off the end of it. I think I'm okay, you know. I mean, you know, I'm banging my head on the headboard and my feet are extended out like a one foot into the walkway on the... No, it's over six feet. Thirteen and a half? It wouldn't fit in our bedroom. No. <laughs> have to destroy your closet and try to probably out the wall. <laughs> Stairs would have to duck under the end of the bed. It would just be terrible. Um, Thirteen and a half feet. He's, he's, he's Anakim. It always said so. He's he's uh, Nephilim. He's a giant. And and so you say, boy, I don't know that I like to kill giants. <sighs> Let me keep saying it over and over again. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and power. There are people. There are giants in your life, and you have to destroy them, or you have to be you subjugate them, or you live under under subjection to them. There's no neutral ground. If there was, I'd tell you about it. And the land which we possessed at that time from Arawar, which is the city of Arnon, and half Mount Gilead in the cities thereof, gave I unto the Reubenites and to the Gadites and the rest of Gilead and of Bashan, being the kingdom of Og, gave I unto the half-tribe of Manasseh all the region of Argob with all Bashan, which was called the land of the giants. Now, uh, Jair, the son of Manasseh, took all the country of Argob under the uh, coast of Geshurai and Maacathai and called them after his own name, Beshahan Voth Jair, unto this day, and I gave Gilead unto Maker. And unto the Reubenites and unto the Gadites I gave from Gilead, even unto the river Arnon, half the valley and the border, even unto the river Jabbok, which is the border of the children of Ammon. The plain also and Jordan, and the coast thereof from Chinnereth, by the way, that's Galilee, the Sea of Galilee, Chinnereth. It means the harp, because it's harp-shaped. Just interesting. Here it's called Chinnereth. Even unto the Sea of the Plain, even the Salt Sea, under Ashdoth, Pisgah, eastward. Uh, and I commanded you at that time, saying, Lord your God hath given you this land to possess it. You shall pass over, arm before your brethren, the children of Israel, all that are meet for war. Let's set this up a little bit. It's chronicled in the book of Numbers. Okay, you can have this land. So this is east of Jordan, okay? As I'm looking, okay, here's the Jordan River coming down. Here's Israel. Here's we're on this side. We're on the Jordanian side of Jordan, okay? And this is the promised land over here, and this over here is the not promised land. But it's rich. It's got grazing place for cattle, and it's luxurious in a lot of ways. And so the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half the tribe of Manassas is, um, we'll take this. And Moses said, oh, you're going to sink the children of Israel's hearts. You're going to settle here, and they're, they're going to, and, and he's all worked up. And they said, no, 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 no. We'll build us little places here. We'll go armed, we'll go fight the, the battles of the war, and then when we're all done, we'll come back and we'll settle here. There's a big debate whether if that's okay or not. I see it as, as a spiritual, we as Christians most always settle for less. Look at half a tribe of Manassas on this side of the river, half a tribe of Manassas on this side. We've got families split. Is that a good thing? This is the promised land. This is what I have for you, God says. Oh, scary. Giants. I'll, I'll settle right here. Will God allow that? He did here. Is there a spiritual principle he's setting up? I want 
what God wants for me. Amen. Somebody say amen. You want to settle for less? Really? You only get one shot at this. If you don't like the way your life turns out, we don't get a do-over. I want all that God has me. There's giants. Well, then I'm a giant killer. Give me Hebron, like, like our, our buddy Caleb. Hebron, give me that place of fellowship. Oh, there's definitely giants there. Your prayer time, you haven't noticed there's giants there? I think we've all noticed that. I am not settling for less. That's all there is to it. Lord, fill me with your spirit. Empower me. Give me my possessions. I know you want to be glorified in this. Will there be warfare? Oh, I guarantee it. Ephesians chapter 6 isn't written for no reason at all. And I say to you, and I say to you, and I say to you, Satan is not indifferent towards your spiritual life or growth or anything of the sort. You step up and you say, I want to minister in music. Brace for impact. You probably know that already. I'm going to step out. I'm going to teach the children. Satan, these are my children. Answers, they are not. Brace for impact. So what do we do? We run away. We keep our, never going to poke our head out of the foxhole. No, we're going to be bold in the Lord. We're going to be filled with his power and his might. He's a giant killer. We've seen it even among the unbelievers. You think he won't kill giants for us? What is it in your life that just has to go? Today's the day. I'm not saying victory is yours today, forever, eternally. Because once you beat one giant, don't you know another one shows up? And after a while, you get very good at being obedient to God, recognize the enemy for what he is, and stepping in to his possessions. You're going to bind the strong man. You're going to take his stuff. You're going to spoil his goods. He don't, he's a usurper anyway. He's, he is steal, kill, destroy boy, for real. So what are we going to do? We're going to live defeated lives? We're going to settle for less? We're going to live on this side, Jordan? Let's keep going. But your wives and your little ones and your cattle, for I know that you have much cattle, shall abide in the city which I have given to you, until your brethren, the children of Israel, they, they are meat for war. They're going to pass over, armed with you, right? That's verse 18. Your wives and your little ones, they'll be here, uh, undefensed, by the way, unprotected. I think that's kind of a scary thing. Because, you know, when they're all fighting battles, they go home t- at night to their camp, to their wives, to their children. Oh, you should have been out there today. It was incredible. Let me tell you what happened. Let me tell you what the Lord did. But the ones on the other side of Jordan, they didn't get that report. Dad's off fighting a battle for seven years. I think I want my kids with me. Imagine a battlefield. You go home every night. Hey, honey, it was awesome. It was awesome. Let me tell you what happened. Let me tell you what God did. I think that would be a wonderful thing. Until the Lord your God has given rest unto your brethren as well as unto you, and until they also possess the land which the Lord your God has given them, beyond Jordan, and, and again, in the promised land, and then shall you return every man unto his possession which I have given you. And I commanded Joshua at that time, saying, Thine eyes have seen all that the Lord your God hath done unto these two kings, so shall the Lord do unto all the kingdoms whither thou passest. You shall not fear them, for the Lord your God, he shall fight for you. Is that true today about your battles? You have to understand that. If you think you're going to do exploits in your own might, forget about it. Forget about it. But the Lord, when he tells you, step into this, I've given it to you for a possession, is a battle. But the Lord, your God, he shall fight for you. Me and God are a majority. David thought so. All the children of Israel, oh, he's nine and a half. David's like, who's this guy? Who do you think he is defying the armies of the living God? Let's go get him, God. I know, I know. Okay, the Lord your God is going to fight for you. And I besought the Lord at that time saying, okay, now this is Moses' personal. Let me read the whole thing and just comment. I besought the Lord at that time, saying, O Lord God, thou hast begun to show thy servant thy greatness and thy mighty hand for what God is there in heaven or on earth that can do according to thy works and according to thy might. I pray thee, 
Let me go over and see the good land that is beyond Jordan, that goodly mountain and Lebanon. I want to go in. Nope, you're in the penalty box, Mo. And the Lord was wroth with me for your sakes and would not hear me. And the Lord said unto me, Let it suffice thee. Speak no more unto me of this matter. Enough. Enough. I've already decided. Get thee up into the top of Pisgah and lift up thine eyes westward and northward and southward and uh, eastward and behold it with thine eyes for thou shalt not go over this Jordan. Why? Joshua, Jesus, has to take us into the promised land. Moses, symbolic for the law, could never. That's the long and short of it. If Moses takes us into the promised land, then we say our inheritance is by keeping the law. You're not going to go to heaven by not stealing. You're not going to inherit the things God wants you to inherit this side of eternity by not lying. Don't lie. Don't steal. Those are bad things. But that doesn't make us go to heaven. I know. I know. Everyone out there. I'm a good person. I never kill anyone. I I don't cheat on my wife. That doesn't make you go to heaven. That doesn't make you inherit what you're supposed to inherit now. It's not the law. It's following Jesus. And that's why Joshua can take us in and Moses can't. But charge Joshua and encourage him and strengthen him. For he shall go over before this people. He shall cause them to inherit the land which thou shalt see. Will Jesus cause us to inherit the land? If we're going to follow him, sometimes it's following him into battle. He's going to give us possessions that we're going to step into. And there will be battles. But the Lord our God will fight them. So we abode in the valley over against Beth Peor. Um, Let's pray. Uh, I didn't technically go over, but they will when they lead us out of here and worship. So I got two chapters, and I went fairly quick, okay? That wasn't too painful. It will be a minute, two over. Come on, you guys come. Let's stand, let's pray. But this is stuff that we need to know. Isn't this eminently practical stuff? I, when I teach the, uh, the, the book of Deuteronomy, I live the book of Deuteronomy, and you will too. There'll be, there'll be battles. Count them for what they are. We're not... Edward R. Morrow said, and he's not a godly man, <laughs> we are not descended from fearful men. Brace, brace for impact, and let's win our wars. Lord, Certainly you've overheard. Certainly it's your word. But we don't, here's the, here's the long and short of it, Lord. We don't want to live defeated lives. That's all. We want to follow you. And sometimes the places that we have to follow you are, are the places that are into battle. Give us the courage, Lord. Give us the wherewithal. We have no confidence in the flesh. We have all the confidence in the world of the Holy Spirit of God. So, Father, help us to possess our possessions, even this week, Lord, to start winning battles and not losing them. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.